Hello. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to our Thursday evening, our Thursday evening production. I spent a good amount of time putting this show together, and I hope that it goes smoothly. I hope you enjoy yourselves. I hope that it's just, uh, it hits all the right spots. It's our Frank Capra night. And our guest is going to be John Paul Rice, who's going to be coming on to talk in a capacity of a filmmaker, a director, a writer. It's, um, it'll be nice. I, I believe so. And I know that the winter storm is, is coming in. It's coming in hard and heavy. I don't know how it's going to hit us tomorrow, but um, that's uh, that's like I told you yesterday. My contingency plan for tomorrow night with my family is that if everything doesn't, if it gets too crazy for people to be out on the road, I will definitely be here, but uh, I may have to save my mom and dad and everybody until Friday the 30th. Friday the 30th un- uh, instead of the 23rd so um we will see what happens there the other thing i got to announce real quick is that on monday the 26th i'm not going to be on air monday the 26th i'm not going to be on air and tuesday the 27th which is my mother's birthday i'm going to be doing a half day where i will do a a show i'm trying to get rich barris to join me because he was part of the Kerry lake trial the whole arizona trial out there for uh, election mismanagement. I'm trying to get Rich Barris to join me for a special one-on-one early Tuesday afternoon, and I would do that for my home studio setup, and that's what would be going on. And then my first show back, officially full show back, will be on the 28th, we'll have the 29th and the 30th, and then it's the New Year's, and then I'll everything else is uninterrupted. I'll be back on January 2nd, that's that Monday. So, um, just going to take a little time, a breather after Christmas 26th and then my mother's birthday on the 27th. Do something nice with her. And uh, and that'll be that. But we still got plenty of things to do tonight and tomorrow. And then God knows what else. And everybody's dealing with some kind of weather, it seems. It's like a an entire nation blanketed in winter something. So welcome aboard. Welcome aboard, everybody. At this point, I just want to thank all my sponsors. I want to thank Blue Monster Prep for a wonderful year of sponsorship of this show. Uh, The same to Secret Nature CBD. Both of them have been very important in my personal lives, have filled quite a few voids and and, uh, satisfied a few personal preparedness and relaxation needs. So I want to thank them and all my other friends on the affiliates page. At this point, it's really being two and a half days away from the big day. It's uh, it's just whatever God can can pull off at this point. But I just want to thank them all because we're winding down and it's it's finally it's finally the time to just celebrate and 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 be present for the next few days because it certainly ain't slowing down any. But welcome aboard. I'm glad that you're all here. I told you what we're going to be doing. We're going to be talking about the themes, the predominant themes inside of It's a Wonderful Life. Well, I'm going to give you a couple of themes. 
types of things that people pick out from this film. And then we're just going to take a direction that I think is a lot more wholesome, wholesome and, and, uh, and, and healthy for the soul. Once our guest for the evening comes on, John Paul Rice, because not everybody sees this movie as a, as a positive, of course, and your world view of things are always going to be the ones, the, the thing that is, uh, is mainly driving that, those, uh, those lessons you take, but that's what we have. That's what we have. Next week, I'll be talking a lot about the book club that we'll get ready for, and there you have it. Oh, and tonight is the last night you have until 12 noon tomorrow, Eastern Time, Friday the 23rd, to submit a Super Chat. If you haven't already done one in the last week, we are counting it, I believe, from the 12th of December until the 23rd. And that is to order have your in order to have your name included in the general raffle, which I have added a second place prize because it's just it's it's Christmas. So um, the first person that that wins is going to have a two ounce silver screaming eagle round sent to them with 60 serving bag of survival food by Blue Monster Prep, a bag of, quite frankly, daily roast coffee by Nordic Coffee Company. And then uh, the second place round. Uh, second place is going to have a one ounce silver round from my personal stash and then coffee and then some chocolate from yes cacao and then the the uh the bigger monthly sponsor giveaways next week with the five gram gold bar brought to you by mark swan so okay into the grab bag shall we first one up is from the daily daily mail and it's about this new the uh the the snow going all over the place here comes the snowpocalypse, U.S. braces for once-in-a-generation weather front, with the worst crippling storms hitting today, battering nearly every state. As snow bomb cyclone shuts down travel, what do you know? The winter weather system and cold blasts are set to impact nearly every state. Thursday will be the busiest, most difficult day to travel before Christmas. The cold will stick around for holiday weekend, the coldest in nearly 40 years. More than 90 million people are under winter weather alerts across the country. The alerts stretch across 37 states and will dip south to Texas and the Mexico border. It's a biggie. It's a biggie. The big purple hand of snowy death. Look at that. Look at those maps. Are you scared? Well, if you've been prepping with Blue Monster, you'll be fine because you'll have your uh, you'll have your tinfoil blanket. <laughs> you'll have your tinfoil blanket and whatever the hell else. Oh man, I made sure I wear I wore a nice uh, shirt and looked presentable tonight. I'm glad everybody is enjoying it. I don't know if you are. I'm just going to assume you are because you're just good people. All right, so that's the, the weather report I have for you. Here's another one. This is from NBC News. A Girl Scout mom was kicked out of Radio City and barred from seeing the Rockettes after facial recognition tech identified her. What? The mom, mom and lawyers like her who work for firms that are suing Radio City's parent company, MSG Entertainment, are barred from setting foot in its venue or their venues while litigation is ongoing. An attorney from a law firm suing the parent company of Radio City Music Hall was kicked out of the venue after facial recognition technology identified her when she tried to see a Rockettes performance with her daughter and a pack of Girl Scouts. 
Kelly Conlon, a senior associate with the New Jersey personal uh, injury firm Davis, Saperstein and Solomon, which is representing a client suing a restaurant owned by the parent company MSG Entertainment, told NBC New York that security guards approached her and asked for identification as soon as she arrived on the weekend after Thanksgiving. The guards ultimately turned her away from the show, even though she's not involved in the firm's litigation against the company. Conlon's daughter and the rest of the Girl Scouts were able to attend, <laughs> but she had to go. <laughs> they were able to attend the performance. I was just a mom taking my daughter to see a Christmas show, she told NBC New York. I did wait outside. It was embarrassing. It was mortifying. A partner in the firm said, uh, a partner in the firm, Sam Davis, told NBC New York that Conlon's experience highlights the potential impact of the widespread use of facial recognition technology, absolutely, which has come under fire for contributing to wrongful arrests and policing tool and surveillance of people of color and more vulnerable populations without their consent. Taking a mother, separating a mother from her daughter and Girl Scouts that she was watching over and to do it under the pretext of protecting any disclosure of litigation information is absolutely absurd. Davis told NBC New York, the fact that they're using facial recognition to do this is frightening. It's un-American to do this. Well, the whole thing here is that they had to go and fine tune the facial recognition uh, programs that they are running to include headshots of nearly anybody they can find inside of this law firm. So that was, that was definitely a directive from Radio City or whoever their parent company is. That was a directive. Enter all of these faces, any known associates. It had to be. That's incredible. Just incredible. About two weeks before Conlon was barred, her firm filed a complaint against the company's policy with New York State Liquor Authority, alleging that MSG Entertainment's liquor license requires it to admit members of the public to its venues other than people who may be disruptive and cause security threats, they told NBC New York. Wait, what? Alleging, the MB, alleging MSG's Entertainment's liquor license requires it to admit members of the public to its venues other than people who may be disruptive and cause security threats they told oh 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 yes yes because she wasn't any of those things that's um i don't know wow well maybe we'll we'll see if there's a follow-up to this in the in the coming weeks and months but i guess it's not going to get any easier once facial recognition is used all over the place and depending on how the trends really continue to, to go with how everything you are putting out there on the internet is collected and considered by the government at least in Missouri v. Biden considered by the government to be part of their um, cognitive infrastructure every keystroke of yours so that's a that's the that's a case. I still have to have Tracy come on and really hammer down for people out there. She's been threading on it since she returned to Twitter. So that's been good for her, for sure. Here's in the Western Journal. This I don't understand in the least. Pope warns Vatican staff. Uh, Pope warns Vatican staff that an elegant demon lurks among them. Yeah, him? 
Is he talking about himself? Pope Francis, Poop Francis, warned Vatican bureaucrats on Thursday to beware of the devil that lurks among them, saying it is an elegant demon that works in people who have rigid, holier-than-thou ways of living in the Catholic faith. You mean people who actually have a, a, a solid, unwavering understanding of, of any faith? I mean, tell me something. What is, what's the difference? What's the point of having any faith or being part of any religion if you are not rigid in your beliefs? It's almost like saying, be wary of people who don't believe that the U.S. Constitution is living and breathing. Be wary of people who don't believe that when you sit down and draw up a contract between two consenting parties, that there's actually nothing in the contract that is finite, that all words are very subjective in their meaning, and they could change from year to year, hour to hour even. I don't understand this. And when, and that's the other thing, it's like when I read articles like this about figures like the Pope and people at the Vatican, I really, I'm, I'm always asking myself, what are they really saying? Because I mean, he's never advocating for tradition, someone like him and rigidity of faith is how religions last and survive for thousands of years to be rigid in their faith. You know, like national borders is how nations are defined and are able to survive more than a couple of generations. So what the hell is this man talking about? What the hell are men like this ever talking about? That's what I always ask myself when I read these ridiculous, these ridiculous uh, articles. Francis used his annual Christmas greeting to the Roman Curia to again put the cardinals, bishops, and priests who work in the Holy See on notice that they are by no means beyond reproach and are in fact particularly vulnerable to evil. Yeah, I know, we see the kind of people that they're expelling from the, uh, the, 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 uh, the Catholic sphere of influence these days. It's usually people who have a backbone and stand up to evil. Francis told them that by living in the heart of the Catholic Church, quote, we could easily fall into the temptation of thinking that we are safe, better than others, no longer in need of conversion. Oh, this is all in completely inverted talk. This is, this is, I mean, he, he is everybody. He is who he's warning about. <laughs> Isn't that something? So watch out. Watch out. Um, sure there's more on that. I'll see if Timothy Gordon or anybody else covers that on their channel sometime soon. But uh, that's what I have for you in the opening. I want to set the stage uh, with a couple of things I want to read to you. Two things, an article, or however much I can get through, and an email from last year that I saved for a night just like tonight. And I'm glad it's happening with John Paul Rice. Don't go anywhere. It's going to be a great show. Uh, all of the live links that I have put out there are across all of the, quite frankly, socials. Go ahead and distribute them for me. Become my social media sponsor of the evening. We'll be right back. One ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! 
welcome. Getting close. Getting close to that time, aren't we? Well, I'm just going to cut to the chase here. We're going to discuss certain themes inside of a now timeless classic. It wasn't really received that well when it came out, just like The Wizard of Oz wasn't received very well when it came out. It's a wonderful life. And um, it's one of those things where there's a lot of relevancy to where we are right now today. You have, you have the, um, you have themes, financial themes. You have a lot of different messages that are, that are, are, are just like overlapping one another when it comes to questions of faith and hope and balancing personal ambition with duty, uh, especially duty to family love it's it's a it's a really wonderful complex what i believe a celebration of life because life is full of these types of these uh, these battling emotions and these these grand expectations that need to be in some way tempered and matured over time not to say that anything you thought that you could do for yourself that was big and 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 huge is something that you have to surrender in any way shape or form no i'm living proof of someone who refuses to compromise on doing the things that I love and for me I'm not the the biggest broadcast personality in the world but for me this is this is this is larger than life it's a wonderful thing for me it's a wonderful life and I um but you know over time your 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 thoughts about what your end goals what you thought they would be when you were 15 16 become a little bit more matured you start becoming a little bit more, hopefully, a little bit more balanced in your expectations, uh, especially especially for someone like me who always loved the idea of performing with the band. What does that look like? What does touring look like? Is that ever going to happen? And what what happens when I get want to get married? You know, what what happens with this and that? You know, there's a lot of things that life just answers for you sometimes. And if you follow your gut and you have a a good a good foundation, things usually work out. But everybody has their, takes their turn trying to extract from certain movies, especially once they become very important on a cultural level, they want to be able to mold it in their own way. And uh, in, in other, for others, it becomes a red pill moment in other ways. I'm going to read you something first. I'm going to give you the, the bad before I give you the good, the bad and the ugly. Here is an article from 2010. An article from 2010 is very short. Very sure it was uh, it was written it was published on Salon by one Richard Cohen, Richard Cohen. So I I would have to assume he's not of the Christian variety, and he's a New York progressive, and of course this was published on December twenty fifth at twelve oh one a.m. by Salon. The headline: It's a Wonderful Life, the most terrifying movie ever. So at 12.01 a.m., Richard Cohen over here wanted to be the wet blanket that these sick, self-indulgent commie nihilists just love to be as it is. Remember, these are the people who screech about how uh, Baby It's Cold Outside is a dog whistle for rape. This, these are the people who talk about how Rudolph is really a story about homophobia, or they complain that Argentina's soccer team is way too white. So always keep that in mind. We're dealing with a the, the, one of the more sick, mentally ill members of society. 
But listen to what they say. I don't care what your parents told you, said Cohen. It's a Wonderful Life, that reassuring holiday spectacle is really the most terrifying Hollywood film ever made. It's one of a handful of masterpieces directed by Frank Capra, an Italian immigrant who loved America because America saved him. Capra lived through the Depression, even though the, even though the rise of terrible ideologies, or even through the rise of terrible ideologies. He knew how bad things could get. He knew, too, that the United States was not immune to this knowledge spiked with with his uh, us and with this knowledge spiked his love with the worst kind of fear. The result was that special melancholy blue shot through with black that runs through his films, the best of which are parables that operate on various levels, some of which were probably unknown to Capper himself. If you were if you were to cut It's a Wonderful Life by 20 minutes, its true subject would be revealed. In this shortened film, George Bailey, played by Jimmy Stewart, forever on the edge of hysteria. After being betrayed, he's never, he's not always on the edge of hysteria. That's all, that's the other thing here too. He was driven to the brink of desperation at one point. Like a lot of people are at life, where sometimes all you wanna do is sit at a bar and gnaw your knuckles, gnaw at your knuckles, wondering how am I gonna get out of this? Whatever the hell this is. But, so once again, Jimmy Stewart forever on the edge of hysteria after being betrayed by nearly everyone in his life. No, he wasn't betrayed by everyone in his life. After being broken on the wheel of capitalism, you see where this, this demon's coming from? Fleeing, he flees to the outskirts of town, Bedford Falls, New York, where he leaps off a bridge with thoughts of suicide. Well, he wants to leap off a bridge. That's the movie. That's the movie. The good man driven insane. That's what, the, so there is, what. that's the nutshell he put this in. It's a wonderful life is the good man driven, in, uh, driven insane. Oh no, you might say, you've missed the entire point. Following the trials of George Bailey without seeing his rescue is like hearing the story of the passion without knowing of the resurrection. It's just Jesus on the cross saying, Oh Father, why hast thou forsaken me? Followed by a star, uh, a star wipe and end credits. It's the power of editing where you start and where you finish is the whole story. So you're talking, so, so, so this is where Mr. Cohen over here thinks that he's a big galaxy brain by actually taking out the resolution to the film. It's a resolution to the film. You bring the character through an arc character through an arc and then there is rising action and a, and, a, and a climax and then there's falling action and your resolution and and he and he thinks that th I mean this is just it that's the movie a good man driven insane if you cut out the resolution and just stick to if you just stick to uh, analyzing the character of George Bailey and what the movie could be about if you end the film at the point where he is at most the, the most desperate point of his existence. What kind of an article is this? I'll tell you what it is. It's a wet blanket that was hastily thrown together to be published at 12.01 a.m. on Christmas morning in 2010 so that anybody that was just casually you know, looking through the internet, what was out there while they're having their Christmas morning coffee would see this and have a little bit of a black pill thrown in their coffee cup. You know, and that's just the way that some people live to see the world and that's sad that's sad he goes on a little bit more but i'm not going to i'm not, I'm not going to uh 
sock you over the head with that garbage. And then we have this. <clears throat> In, I think it was earlier mid-December last year, I received a message. I received a message from a friend of the show who lives in France. His name is JS. Man, he wrote to me. He said, regarding Frank Capra and It's a Wonderful Life, he had a little bit of a red pill moment. He said, Frank, your segment last night about Catherine Austin Fitz, we were just talking, we were talking about her the, the night prior, obviously, made me think about my awakening around the topic of the Federal Reserve and the great American classic Frank Capra's It's a Wonderful Life. You're a busy man, so I'll try to summarize my thoughts as succinctly as possible. And then to summarize them even more so, I will say that uh, JS, Jay Song, went on to talk about how, uh, uh, talk about the years leading up to his moving from the United States to Paris, learning about the, the creation of the Federal Reserve, learning about the modus operandi of central banking, how big financial giants orchestrate booms and busts, how their expansion, especially credit expansion and then credit contraction, all of those rhythms that are completely artificial are designed to be able to slowly flush out small competitors family farmers to flush them out of the picture and to obtain their property for pennies on the dollar. Okay. Now, for those of you who've been watching the show for a long time, and we're going to be doing a show specifically on this with, um, with professor Robin McCutcheon in the new year, that is an example of crony capitalism. Now she'll, she will take umbrage with uh, with the word capitalism in itself. What we what we as free or people who yearn to be free, individuals, traditional Americans want, is a free market. Capitalism, especially, you know, I mean, it's all cronyism. Capitalism, it's a vulture system. And it, it, that, that, that truly feeds off of the death of the free market. You know, those, uh, some of those same so-called capitalists created and sponsored communism, okay? That, this is going to be a little bit more uh, plotted out for you in the next couple of months, whenever we do that. Maybe it'll be in January. But capitalism is a red herring just as much as communism is. What we love, what we need to explore more is how the free market actually allows little people, little people to compete in big marketplaces and where ideas and where supply and demand are really the only mediating factors in what sinks and what swims, okay? On the merits of, of the idea's value and, uh, and the hard work that you put in. And sometimes that doesn't even save you. Now, communism, of course, is a silly ass, juvenile red herring in itself of a scam, mostly made, again, capitalism versus communism for people to fight over while the big machine continues to eat us all. As I said, we'll go into that a little bit more. And that was part of Jay Song's uh, revelations over those years leading up to his moving to Paris. But he continues from Paris, which leads me to Capra's It's a Wonderful Life. I have no doubt whatsoever that Capra had made this film as a warning to ordinary Americans about workings of international bankers. 
George Bailey, a good soul running a small savings and loan uh, business, helping the working class to build a decent home. Potter, he's the Fed. When the artificially created run on the banks take place, the ignorant ordinary people tell George Bailey that they want to withdraw their shares from his bank and sell them to Potter for pennies on the dollar. I'm sure you've seen this film, so you will remember when George Bailey mouths off at Potter after his father's death, telling him, quote, these people do all the working and the paying and the living and the dying in this community. Well, is it too much to ask that they work and pay and live and die in a couple of decent rooms and a bath? I hate to say it, but these MFs are absolutely brilliant at what they do. They know how to concoct a fake pandemic. To get, their, uh, to get their whore minions in the media to sell their narrative. They even get most of the doctors and scientists to go along with the bullshit. Now they're scooping up real estate from coast to coast. They print up fake money, and in the end, they take possession of concrete assets over and over again. I think it would make a great show for you to do, Frank, a show about Capra's It's a Wonderful Life. It's a movie that practically everybody has seen, but I suspect that not many understand or understood what Capra was trying to tell us. Hell, I'm getting misty-eyed just thinking about George Bailey and his courageous fight against Potter in defense of his common men and women and children. Best, J-Song. Now, there's a lot more there. There's definitely, and I, and I think that in our, in our arms race of ideas that we were talking about with, uh, that John Carroll had written up, there's a lot more there when it comes to silver and banking and, and all of that that you can go read on the blog section on quitefrankly.tv. And this aspect of it should definitely be paid attention to. But there's more. There's more there. As we saw before, people can go in very dark and uh, <clears throat> demeaning and terrifying directions when they interpret what's going on in this film. But I want to bring on, I want to bring on a guest tonight who I've been waiting to have on since the first time he was on in, uh, in thanks, around Thanksgiving time. And that's John Paul Rice. And I, I'm really excited to have him here. I booked this weeks uh, in advance. And uh, yeah, this is a special movie to me and many of you out there for all of our families. But I wanted to talk to a filmmaker. I wanted to talk to a filmmaker about this tonight. And we've got that set up for you. John Paul Rice, how you feeling? Hey, Feeling great. Good, good. Good to be here with you. I'm happy that you're feeling great. Now, I have a little something that I want to uh, to, to kick off with. Now, I, I'm sure that you've been listening, and um, oh, where the hell is that music coming from? Uh, here we go. Got it. It's all out of the way now. I'm sure you've been listening as we've been going through some of the the stage setting. First of all, how, how has the family been? Are you are you ready for the end of the year and, and starting off fresh in 2023? Yes, I'm, I'm ready to put this year behind me, but also to be very grateful for this year, too. Good. So I was trying to honor the uh, how far we've all come, and we're still here, and it's a miracle in and of itself. No doubt. No doubt. And, and to cut right to the chase, mm -hmm. like many forms of art, there is room for all types of interpretation, how people see things. Obviously, their personal experiences will dictate a lot of that as well and mm -hmm. um, anything. But you just heard a, a friend of mine of, of the show from Par Paris who sees parallels to crimes of central bankers. Then you heard a pathetic loser from Salon who thinks that it's a literal horror film about capitalism and family betrayal. Mm 
Now, mm-hmm. there's other themes people have written about. We could talk about that as time goes on. But I want, as you, as a writer, as a producer, as an actor, what do you see as the most resounding themes from It's a Wonderful Life? It's the celebration of existence itself without preaching it to you. Um, it encapsulates a theme that is common among all human beings who are born divine, that they can be redeemed and that their life, if they were to look at themselves in retrospect at all of the great things that they did, the lives that they touched, uh, that's the real capitalism. The man's wealth and riches is not defined by his possessions, but by how many lives he touched in his awkward way of helping others through their moment of need when the rest of the world turned its back on them. And this is a theme that is exactly what is happening right now. The collapse of institutions and systems. Mm. It's a cycle. Uh, It's a cycle we've been living through for a long time. When you look at, when you, when you, Think of somebody who would say, here's a character, George Bailey, who has been betrayed by everybody in his life. Mm-hmm. How do you balance that? Obviously, that is a personal problem with perspective that someone has when they make that kind of a, that kind of a, uh, a diagnosis for, for anybody or anything. Mm-hmm. Because really what you have here is a, a story about lives that we all lead that it's not that, mm-hmm. that that plans changing and that being living in a world where everybody is their own person making their own decisions and some of those mm-hmm. decisions undercutting you but not necessarily because they hate you or out of malice it just mm-hmm. things change uh the winds mm-hmm. shift direction and that you have to mm-hmm. be able to uh find a silver lining and all that um mm-hmm. do you see any real betrayals in this movie at all you know that that I, I liked how you you characterized that you know point of view about betrayal because that and and then to in also your part of it which is that there's really no conscious narcissist out there if you really think about it they're not conscious people they're not aware people of the damage and destruction that they're causing themselves and there's a reason why that is but what when people try to categorize things in one way, what I've learned is that self-doubt is what is the fuel for propaganda. If you don't explore the divinity within yourself, you seek propaganda outside of yourself. So, so when what you're crossing on is a debate about what, what in life has any meaning and is it measured by wealth and riches and things that require you to have more and more and there's never enough to fill your cup with anything so you need more and more and more and to the point where potter has all of the wealth in the world in his little world that he occupies the space that he occupies but he's become a sociopath and to the point where he he's called the police on George after defrauding him and taking his $8,000 that he knew was his. Right. So he has a malice and a hatred in his heart of self doubt. 
and he must believe that for which he sees the world as, as the way it is. Hmm. Uh, and, and George Bailey, go ahead. No, 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 I, I'm sorry. Continue. I thought you had stopped. My, my, my apologies. No, no. It, I mean, there's so much you can explore with this, but the, the main thing is, okay, it's a life in review that we're watching in this movie, right? But it's moving forward. And we're learning about this man going through different times of his life, different stages of maturity, young, ambitious, wanted to build things, wanted to uh, plan cities and dad, I want to do all that stuff. It's out there. I got to go find it. And so what happens to him is the betrayals in a sense are not personal because some of them occurred without him seeing what was being done to him. Others where people accidentally made a mistake, but he took it personally to measure his self-worth against what he wanted out of life and what he got out of it because of what he put into it. And the reality was that without him in the world, which is us, look at how life would have been without you here. Mm. I, I think that 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 ties into the opening of the film for me. Mm-hmm. When you talk about that, it's the it's that opening of the film where you have the the this discussion among angels. I believe the angel I because I read the the script once and the angels are named Joseph and Franklin. Mm-hmm. And uh, I and I read the, and then you know they're talking about oh well, we have a you know guy that's getting a lot of prayers in right now, a man named George Bailey. And uh, it's that clockmaker's turn again they're talking about clarence and in comes little clarence and they said we have a we there's there's a man down on earth that needs our help he's he's uh he's in distress and clarence says oh splendid is he sick and i believe that franklin says no worse he's discouraged oh mm-hmm. that i mean that's that's everything mm-hmm. it really mm-hmm. makes you think about what it, it discouragement being worse than being sick mm-hmm Man, uh, unpack that one a little bit. Well, that's a, I, I try to share what I learn in the ways that I stumble forward. And so today I had a really emotional day. Part of it was to review this film, which I did. Um, Cause when I go back, I always see more in it. And I'm going to ask you to keep me focused on this just so I don't veer off. Cause I can go into different avenues with it you got it but so part of the problem in life is that we are constantly been conditioned to answer to authority outside of ourselves a an elected body um government um brands that we where we vote with our dollars our feet and our time and our money and all of those areas in life have betrayed us our institutions have betrayed us at the expense of the almighty dollar. Uh, it's a lust for greed that's brought us to this point, And it's permeated throughout the con- country and the world by fueled by a hypersexualized materialist and ultimately violent culture. Okay. Um, self-doubt if you hold that position in your life and you really feel that 
you aren't worth living in this world anymore. Um, I know that from my childhood and struggling with depression for the majority of my life without doing any medications. Um, but that's really not the where the story begins or ends. It's basically this, you don't give up. You never give up. The human spirit that exists on this planet is stronger than all the forces of evil combined throughout all of history. And the only thing that they've ever been able to do is to spin an illusion in front of your face and make you ask for more, but in a different way. Mm. So the, the way that everything works in this place is that there are moves and counter moves that have already been pre-planned for you. They're, they're hoping you will go back to sleep again from a different angle than the one you were awakened to. So what we're talking about is that man was, before, as Frank Capra said, born divine, which is redeemable in all ways. I'll just put it like this, and I don't even really know what I'm saying, but this is, this is the truth. Um, the road to redemption through love can only come from facing your darkest places. If you believe in the story of Christ, however you came to understand it, and Jesus, if you believe he was on the cross, and even if that was a metaphor, I don't care. What did the thief say to him? When you go to your father today, do not forget me. And he said in the same, without hesitation, you will join me in paradise today. The forgiveness is yours to give, not theirs to come asking for you. They're in hell. Those people are in hell and their fear is in death. They are afraid of dying. That's why they want to be immortalized in technology or wherever form they can continue in. And they sell that to everybody else and say, this is the reality and their betting will take it. It's, it's, an, it's, an, it's uh, an interesting prospect then at, that, at this point that the, the prospect of death in It's a Wonderful Life is used as a way to, to call out the better, the better nature of George, uh, where he's, he's staring into the abyss, he's feeling his, uh, his most distressed, and mm -hmm. then in goes Clarence knowing that this is a, this is a good man and he's going to save me. Uh, it, it, despite yeah. despite the now danger to himself going into this water, and, uh, and it yeah. also help it also happens with the, the saving of his brother uh, Harry in the beginning, which is why he's mm -hmm. deaf in that left ear. Self sacrifice, putting your life on the line when you don't know the outcome, the faith that you have to have that there is another potential that exists out there beyond what you know, or what you can see at the time, which is really about your feelings, and. The the truth is, like, here, here's the thing about George Bailey that's so beautiful, I think. George Bailey is a man who, on one hand, had um, a good mom, as it's portrayed there, and a, a father who, we talked about this um, in that clip, but it's not about showing the clip so much as it is to understand that being a whole, full human being is being able to, to understand that you can't see everything that someone else does and you don't know 
what it is that they're actually living through by identification of skin color, religious belief, uh, location, political belief, you know, all of these details that we've been given to identify with ourselves in opposition to a falsehood. And so if all we're doing is auditioning against a falsehood, what is, what does that make us? Right. This is our freedom. Like our freedom is to be who we are, not defined for anybody to tell us what your name is, what your pronouns are. If they have to give you those things, they're doing so for other agendas. That's not because of you're wrong and how you feel about yourself. It's because there is a lack of love and care in this world that has made us scared to come out and start playing like children again. And the potters of the world will continue to grow in size and scope, encompassing their new digital reality around you if you don't create something. Everybody has pretty much, like, this is the thing. There's no more time to debate people and argue with them. They want to go and vote, fine. Fine, cool, good, did your job. But it's like, if the George Baileys of the world don't step up to the plate and do nothing and create nothing against all the turmoil of what's coming, we already know it's here and it's gonna continue until it hits a certain point. But if you wanna follow that story, you can, and you'll go down the road to Pottersville because that's where that shit leads. 100% of the time, history repeats itself 100% of the time until the people finally wake up and they write their own story. And George Bailey had an incredible life. He touched hundreds of lives. And as Glaren showed him when he wasn't there, it turned into Pottersville, not Bedford Falls. Mary was an old maid, never got married. His wife, the one, and, and this is the thing, you know, I just tell people, I was like, what, what did she, what did she or he know about each other that she loved him so much? She made a house and a dinner and a bed for him in a dump. And she loved him with nothing. Mm. And she stayed with him when times got tough. She made, she saw the best in everything in those situations to the point where when he falls and runs out because he's wanting to kill himself and feeling depressed about his life and, and you know, the savings and loans and never going to the places that he wanted to and never fulfilling any of those dreams, she saw the answer right to his heart. As soon as she knew that the money was gone, she put the word out to the town and said, everybody, George is in trouble. <laughs> sorry that's all right no worries it's one of them stories my man it's, it's one of them <laughs> well, this stories. is why it's timeless it's why it was still relevant 80 years later because it's timeless it's the divine truths that are always there right in front of you the eternal rivers that they tell you about the mystics all of the, the watts campbell all of them it's right in front of you, George. It was right there all along. Your greatest wealth was the treasure of all the people that you had helped and created beautiful memories for and with. 
that you have to cherish forever and it pays you back in spades. They all rallied around him and more came in than he needed. From the one guy who he said no to, to his investment and then thought, if I had only done that, and the guy gave him $25,000. Mm. Sam, which, and we, we have to do this next now because Sam is a part of, we, you and I have both picked scenes. Yeah. We're going to start with your scene first. We, we talk favorites. I mean, these, I wouldn't even say this is my favorite scene, but it's just one that st- st- uh, stands out for me. There's so many little tiny ones, but the first one yeah. you popped up and you said, get the dinner scene up and I'm going to play it. I got a, uh, it's a, it's a two minute clip that I, I whittled it down to, to the most important parts. Now here is George Bailey, uh, the, the night of going to the big dance where he, he dances with Mary and they fall in the pool and all that good stuff. And, and, uh, and he's sitting down with his father. And he's discussing all what he wants to do, and and there there's his father, this 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 pretty much this steward of the town, who is nearing the end of his life, and he he's, he's hoping that he can pass it on to somebody, but he knows that his son has other plans. I'm just gonna just let this roll. Anything you want to set up here uh, to to have people notice while we watch it, and then you can you can uh, you can give us all your liner notes afterwards. Okay. Uh, no, this one I just say uh, just kind of watch the dynamic between Stuart and his father, or George Bailey and his father, and and um, and the and the flow of that conversation at that point. Okay. Here we go. Two. This is two minutes long. You should hear it, but uh, you won't see it. Well, you were born older, George. All right. I say you were born older. I suppose you've decided what you want to do when you get out of college. Oh, well, you know what I've always talked about, build things, design new buildings, plan modern cities, all that stuff I just talked about. Still after that first million before you're 30, huh? No, I'll sell for half that cash. <laughs> of course, it's just a hope, but uh, you wouldn't consider coming back to the building alone, would you? Well, I... I... Well, Andy, why, why don't you draw up a chair? Then you'd be more comfortable and you could hear everything that's going on. <laughs> I would if I thought I'd hear anything worth listening to. You would. I know it's soon to talk about it. No, not Pop. I, I couldn't. I, I couldn't face being cooped up for the rest of my life in a shabby little office. The, no, I'm, I'm sorry, Pop. I didn't mean that. I, but I, it, it's this business of nickels and dimes and spending all your life trying to figure out how to save three cents and a length of pipe. I go crazy. I, I want to do something big and something important. You know, George, I feel that in a small way, we are doing something important. It's satisfying a fundamental urge. It's deep in the race for a man to want his own roof and walls and fireplace. And we're helping him get those things in our shabby little office. I know, Bob. I, I know that. I, I, I wish I felt that uh, I, I've been hoarding pennies like a miser here in order to... Most of my friends have already finished college. I, I just feel like if I didn't get away, I'd bust. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. You're right, son. You see what I mean, don't you, Pop? This town is no place for any man unless he's willing to crawl to Potter. Now, you've got talent, son. I've seen it. You get yourself an education and get out of here. Pop, you want a shock? 
I think you're a great guy. What do you think about that? I, I get teared up every time I hear it because it's just such beautiful writing and directing nuanced moments. Um, you know, it's 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 kind of and this is nothing wrong with it. It's out there. We want to go explore space, and uh, it's 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 all of our training too, also. But that's not really about being negative about it. It's just what we're what we know. We're supposed to leave home. We're supposed to go out there. It's somewhere out there. There's nothing wrong with, you know, wanting to go away and look at things, but there's also a place called home. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and there's yeah. another thing for this, for me here is I, I see there's the, the other theme of being called duty, you know, uh, having, realizing that there's something that needs to be done. You don't necessarily want to do but you must Mm -hmm. you you just must do and and Mm -hmm. the great thing about this is that over the years as i started analyzing like as you said the dynamics of what's going on in the room i used to think when i was younger i said is the father being kind of like passive aggressive and manipulative manipulative uh you know what's going on and and like you know kind of guilting him but i realized no not at all. I mean, mm-hmm. the fa- the father's realizing that a lifetime of his own hard work, he's not going to be able to carry that burden. He's he's genuinely wondering how it's going to carry on. That's a question mm-hmm. he's worthy of of asking. But at the same time, he never takes away his. He never actually takes away his, and he still encourages his son to go off and do what he's got to do. And yeah. as we know, later on that evening, he has suffers the stroke, and George is, is called into he puts everything on a shelf for duty not because of betrayal you know right yeah it is it's a it's a heartbreaking film in the sense that all the and his father in in that scene to me is like it encapsulates what every man is to a child and especially a boy um is to go i won't try to live through you right you've got to be your own man and you've got to find your own way, you know, and it's, it's like he wants, he wants that legacy because he knows his son. See, <laughs> so unlike, uh, okay, so George, and then he has his other brother, Harry, the one he saved, who's more of a playboy type, right? Yep. He's like the one going off to the service and, you know, he's the charmer and he's got, you know. He's got he's got the more pizzazz of the the family right. He's the sexy guy. Stuart's more straight laced, book smart. You know, kind of your average Joe, right? Not really, not really of a sophisticated level. He just had a dad who was a banker, and I mean, you know, obviously he had a certain pedigree to him. Went to college, right? But it's a really beautiful scene because he he he's not trying to force his will upon his son and let his son make his own decisions and determine his own future and um that's all that's why there's love in that scene he said and he said to i i think you're a great guy you know that that was like where my heart melted in that scene when he says to his father i think you're a great guy I mean, I think that's like the dynamic that every father and son should be capable of trying to um, reach that point where it's authentic. Mm. 
Yeah, and and you know this goes hand in hand with the scene that I picked, which I didn't play it last year, but it's it's another one of those traditions on this uh, on this show where I do a, a night or of the telephone scene. Talk a little bit mm-hmm. about or talk a little about what's going on in the scene, what it's what's building up, all the off scene stuff going on. You know, uh, as you know, I mean, uh, J- Jimmy Stewart was battling through some really severe PTSD. Um, mm-hmm. but, I mean, I, I've read a lot into this, got got a, a book or two on this, and it's it was incredible. The, the people, the bombing runs he was on, the people he lost, the nightmares mm-hmm. he had about, you know, bomb, bombing runs that, that hit the wrong cities. He came home with a lot. He almost like aged 20 years in, in just a few years, and this was his first wow. on-screen kiss. Um, mm-hmm. It also mm-hmm. contributed, I, there's this guy, who wrote the book, um, oh man, his name is Mad Stinner. I forgot, and I even bought a copy for my father for Christmas a couple of years ago. And he, he even goes into saying that this, what he had brought back from the war, really was used in the, the, the ferocious nature of, of how he unloads eventually on the, the, the physical representation of all of his dreams, George Bailey's dreams, which was the models of bridges and, and, and the buildings that he had at home when he was mm-hmm. reaching his, the, the, the apex of his desperation because of Uncle Billy's $8,000 have been lost and he knows that the bank collectors are coming after him and he can't, he can't take the, uh, the, the children running around and the practicing of you know the, the piano yeah. in the background and it just collapses all around him. This is one of those stepping points to those those uh, those those points of I don't know, I would say climax in the film. And mm. to set it up just a little bit, I would say that um, again you're you see George Bailey, like many of us, swimming upstream wanting to do something big wanting to go you know chase that rainbow and see where the hell it all leads and and fighting at the same time what the heart really needs more than anything and mm-hmm. um yeah so i'm, I'm going to play this. this is another two minute clip now he here he is here he is with uh with mary and uh, they got their friend sam on the other end who has attained every material thing that george ever wanted and still does in many ways but well you'll see we're, we're listening, Sam. Well, look, I have a big deal coming up that's going to make us all rich. George, you remember that night in Martini's bar when uh, you told me you'd read someplace about making plastics out of soybeans? Chili. You remember out of chili, out of soybeans. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 soybeans, yeah. Well, listen, Dad snapped up the idea, and he's going to build a factory outside of Rochester. How do you like that? Rochester? Well, why Rochester? Well, why not? Can you think of anything better? Well, I don't know. Just why not right here? You remember that uh, that old tool and machinery works? You tell your father you can get that for a song and all the labor he wants, too. Half the town was thrown out of work when they closed down. Was that so? Well, I'll tell him. Hey, that sounds great. Uh, maybe I knew you'd come through. Now, here's the point. Mary, Mary, you're in on this, too. Now, listen. Money, yeah. Well, a little. Well, now listen. I want you to put every cent you've got into our stock, do you hear? And George, I may have a job for you. That is, unless you're still married to that broken-down building and loan. <laughs> but it's the biggest thing since radio, and I'm letting you in on the ground floor. 
Oh, Mary. Mary. Well, I, I, I'm here. Uh, will you tell that guy I'm giving him the chance of a lifetime, you hear? The chance of a lifetime. He says it's the chance of a lifetime. Now, you listen to me. I don't want any plastics, and I don't want any ground floors, and I don't want to get married ever to anyone. You understand that? I want to do what I want to do. And you're... And you're... Now, now this right here, again, they have their friend Sam is on the other line, as I said before, who has attained every material end, every goal ever George ever wanted. He's got, he's got just resources. He's, he travels the world, big time projects, always doing something new. And and um, and and like I said, in in many ways, still does because you can see what he 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 just wants to bust out and go out and do. But uh, in fact, that's why he was so grouchy with Mary in the beginning of this very scene because he's frustrated. Mm-hmm. And then in the moment, but in the moment, the real chance of a lifetime is true love, and mm-hmm. and it, it, I mean, that's just huge. The whole concept <laughs> of a chance of a lifetime, what is mm-hmm. that? You know, like I said before, before I even got on the phone with you, the whole idea, and I know that you have probably had to grapple with this too, going out to Hollywood and and your your uh, your passion being movies and and uh, and creative works and film, uh, mm-hmm. you have to really start reassessing what fame is and and what you really wanted about it and 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 how healthy is the the, the mainstream the mainstream understanding of success. What what is that? What is what is that trap? And and how does it p- play into self doubt? And how does it play? You know, it's it's just an incredible mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I've, I mean, I could do hours about this, but it's just through self examination at a really detailed level, and having somebody else who loves you uh, be your mirror and your partner. So the kind of work that I've done, and I, I'm not marketing myself, so please just, <laughs> um, but I have to look at everything that I do. And the reason I do so at such a level is because of the fact that my childhood was so damaged that um, I look at it every day as a miracle I'm here, right? So George Bailey and all, uh, what, what, sorry, I'm trying to bring it all into love. Love is eternal. Love is divine. Love is gentle. Love is truthful. Love is not pain. Um, Real love is not pain. The, the way you love someone is not they call it trauma bonding, but this is really not what that is. This is to really love somebody in their most painful places because you understand how hard it is to be a human being. Hmm. And you, that person, like George Bailey's wife, is like she's the giver. She's She is the, she's not a weak person. She's a very strong woman who loves her man, loves him, and wants what's best for him, even when he does bad behavior in front of the children, right? Mm-hmm. 
she doesn't go on a social media to go shame him and <laughs> tell everybody what a piece of shit he is. Right? Yeah. I mean, she could have gone to the town and told everybody, my husband's gone crazy, he's insane, he's going to kill himself, somebody stop him. And then she immediately goes, what does he need? It's the money. And the, she'll deal with the rest because she loves him. That's how she's able to create that reality for him. Because she knew what was going on in him and wanted to help him, not get her egoic, you know, trip out and somehow find, you know, righteousness and the revenge of it. Um, and that's just a pervert. That's a horror film. Oh, <laughs> that's I know. a horror film. Um, the people that, you know, we were talking earlier, like there's, there's people who don't like this movie. Look, uh, there's people who don't like the mirror held up to them and what they are not. The, the thing that I learned uh, about validation today was something really important. And I, I don't want to get into the depth of it, but I'll tell you this, there's validation of a child, like a child that you cause pain to or yell at or send a timeout on an arbitrary thing that you could have tried to work out without your frustration added to it. Even when your child tests your limits, supposedly, um, Everybody has their moments, but if you have no self-examination and you double down on your authoritarianism, you're creating a follower of an authority outside of you. And that's probably the worst thing that you could ever do to your child is to make them obedient and good children because you scare them into being one. That's the opposite of George Bailey's father. That leads you down Pottersville. That creates Pottersville. That creates a lust and a need for something outside of yourself to fill those voids because you had no love in those moments when you weren't what they wanted you to be. It's an incredible point. You know, I actually have, I forget the, the uh, uh, Pa Bailey's, uh, the actor's name. Do you, know, you remember his name? I have him up on the wall over here. Uh, it, it's a, a relic from one of the years that my father created It's a Wonderful Life on the front yard at my grandmother's house, mm -hmm. and he had he had he gotten all printed out all the faces to scale, worked them into these new uh, wood cutouts. He, it was an incredible thing. We and I saw I keep Bob Bailey. He's up there looking at me every night that I do this show, which is actually kind of incredible. Uh, maybe I can get a, a clip a shot of that when we get off the air in a little bit. But yeah. I um. I, I want to also ask you something outside of the script, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because of course there is, you know, you and I were talking about the incredible nature of how the script is even put together, that, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's the, the, the last third of it. I mean, I'll let you say it, but um, as far as cinematography goes, mm -hmm. black and white, I don't expect mm -hmm. you to be a, a an expert on this either, but maybe you would know. I have to ask somebody. This, mm -hmm. I'm looking at... I'm looking at Donna Reed and and Jimmy Stewart, and and it's it's all movies like this from this entire era. Even mm -hmm. though it is so-called colorless, it it glows in this heavenly halo of an amazing. <laughs> how? What the hell? I mean, why is it that nothing can reproduce this kind of glow ever again? Is it just okay. a lost skill? Is it a specific camera and a grade of film? What is it? No. The, okay. So I'm not gonna. I'm the subject matter expert 
tonight here, but I'm sure there's people that could give you like the whole history behind that and that look and what, you know, I'm not that guy, but okay. what I can tell you is that those eras during that time, that was the standard. And so, um, think about it like this, as you're discovering a medium and pushing its limits, right? in a creative field. So you're experimenting with looks and lighting and, you know, that's how you get like Citizen Kane where like all that was first time cinematography, set building, shots, the the whole thing that like broke a whole new ground in cinema, the cinematography since Citizen's Kane. Um, and there's other films that are, that are seminal films for cinematography, but those looks, those lighting, uh, key rim and fill, they were still playing around with it. And sometimes it was like a contemporary look and that's kind of how it evolved for yeah. a while. It's, 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 it's the weirdest thing. It's like almost they're like they're in a picture, like a photo and they're almost heavenly, you know, it, it's it, incredible. It, there's a, it's uh, like they're surrounded by little soft pillows. And <laughs> I'm glad that you said that there is something very pillowy about these <laughs> movies and, and 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 for it to be now that you you go into movie theaters now and you watch these movies on 4K screens and it it uh you're just blasted in the face with <laughs> with color that you never thought some colors you never thought even existed and meanwhile you, they can create warmth in these old films from the 30s and the 40s that mm-hmm. are unparalleled even today so yes. i i never understood where that warmth came from i got to i got to get to the bottom of this yeah, if I find anything, I'll look it up. I mean, I, I have a couple of friends I could ask here, cinematographers who could probably tell me. Oh, they studied it. Oh, that, that, I'll, I'll get I'll get some resources for you. That'd be wonderful. Um, as a uh, so as, as a, now, just like a, a, some general thoughts and closing on on this movie as we move on to uh, to the second half of the show and and then off for uh, for Christmas invariably. Uh, tell tell the audience a little bit about just a little bit about what you were. What you're saying to me, I would love to get the whole thing laid out for me again. What you thought was is just really interesting about the script and how yeah. it is uh, constructed in a way that that uh, is, is is unusual. Yeah. So uh, typically, uh, scripts are divided up into three acts: first act, second act, third. And there's key uh, moments in each script if they follow the craft the right way i mean this doesn't ensure a hit but you at least have a arc of a story a structure (laughs) makes sense coherent sense when you don't have to like guess at what's happening um but it's not spoon feeding you it's leading you emotionally so anyway uh the way this works is that two-thirds of the film right are a life in review of a guy who Basically, you see decades go by of time, 20, 30 years, right? Coming into the present moment and everything in that last act takes place in that moment. So it's a, it's a weird, it's kind of like a progression of like, because you had no foreknowledge at the beginning of what was going to happen. You watched with interest as to how this would unfold because they set you up at the beginning about these angels having conversations about a guy. There's a lot of prayers going up for him. He's not feeling so well, right? And then we come into, we get into his childhood, and then we skip to his college years or with when he meets Mary and all of that, high school, college. And then uh, he comes out and he's ready to get married and all, all hell breaks loose, right? He's ready to start his life. He's ready to go out there. And, uh, and now you're hooked because you're like, okay, well, now where, where's the problem? Well, you're watching the problem happen. You don't know that you are. 
<laughs> fully yet because you don't you just know there's something's wrong with this guy but like you have you're seeing a decline happen a dissension right and it happens in steps over his lifetime and it all comes to a head on one moment one day christmas and so it's like it's like all everything is coming together right it's all his whole life story is kind of fun, finally coming to a head of like my god here's a guy who gave everything and he and he and he's about to lose his home and his family you know like everything and there's no hope in the world anymore and what does that say about him and all of his things that he didn't accomplish and achieve okay so but but what makes that unique is you don't know any of that and then when you get into it and it's the angel coming down to then say oh my god he's at his lowest point right now think about that guys at his lowest point at the two-thirds of the way into the this is the hero yeah <laughs> this is the hero of the story who's like at his worst moment and then the angel comes in and says here you're going to be literally he says you get one of the greatest gifts ever you get to see the world if you were never born in it and he loses his mind because he can't believe it he can't believe that the world he's been removed from existence altogether never been there all of the lives that changed as a result of him not being there for the worse and that's like gobsmack whoa holy cow it wasn't just that he didn't get to do what he wanted because he didn't get to do what he wanted but he did what he could do that's the key all of these people paid him in his moment of need mm. and it's 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 the embodiment it's like it's like a, it's a great script you think it's going in one direction right and then gets to his lowest moment and he doesn't know what to do and he prays to god and he says please let me live and man's life has changed it's uh it reminds me of that quote I forget what, what kind of a, uh, what I don't know who, what kind of, where, what saying it was, what the, the genesis of the quote was, but mm -hmm. that a uh, health, a healthy person has ten thousand, what, well, ten thousand wishes. Mm -hmm. uh, they might make ten thousand wishes, want ten thousand things, or something like that. But a sick person would only want one thing, and and that is just to, to be well. You know, and, and it's and I and it, it hate you don't ever want to put yourself into a into a mindset of the sick person, but there mm -hmm. is something to be said about that perspective. And ultimately, I talk a lot about perspective on this show. That's exactly what George Bailey gets. It's perspective that you lose over time when we get uh, really caught up in the uh, the monotony and the minutia of everyday life, and that is a constant shifting mm -hmm. terrain of 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 things everything so many variables in life which is why there's that, uh, that other great quote people always bring up from time to time um what does it say if you want to make god laugh tell him your plans mm -hmm. <laughs> that's a that's another one right there mm -hmm. it, it's all mm -hmm. it all comes forward so i don't know why anybody why anybody would look at this this unless of course they they have a very nihilistic point of view on the world and say that it's a wonderful life is a horror film because it's really just it's 
it's it's a microcosm of life it's the story of human life it's just yeah. a human on a social level uh interpersonal level on a business level just so many you know i i agree i i see why now people say that and this doesn't mean i agree with them i i just wanted it just hit me when you said that i go oh right because their lived experience and all that they've been messaged to over the last 20 years since 9 11 has been that and this is the thing we forget and this is part of the reason i'm talking sometimes about this is that there are just going to be people in different realities so pronounced and distant from each other they're literally going to be on another timeline over the next several years mm. it's going to become more pronounced um what they are rejecting in that if i could even conceive of it not that they know what they're really saying because they're just repeating what's said to them and then it's going in through a filter that feels right in here because it's all twisted up so they have to have something to hate something to beat down take down ah, you know like it's a mob of headlines right and it just programs you and they got it on their social media feed so it's rewiring their subconscious minds this is how mind control works it's not uh oh they they adopt a stupid ideology that doesn't make any sense no it, it sounds good and it feels right because they're told it is by an authority and anyway the the point being is that they can't see what you see because they don't feel that way and therefore can't see your reality in the divinity that's there because they don't feel it in themselves. It's frightening to consider that they could be wrong because in their lives, all the times that they have been wrong and they've overprepared and they've overprepared and they've kept learning and kept learning and kept being more vigilant and more consensual or not putting this stuff down. I'm just saying where you have to become more controlled over behavior. So what that means is, is that you have to create in yourself a, a, a position of virtue because you're not a bad person. You are not a bad person. There are bad people out there. I'm told these people are worse than me, so I'm going to make sure I hate them. That applies to everything you can think of, and it all comes from within here. And I learned that about myself, Frank. I'm not preaching because I had to look at all of the hatred that I carried and I had good reason to hate the world. Um, I had all the reason with my childhood to hate the world. And the fame thing, the fame is the validation for a love seeking child. That's how they abuse you out there. Because every child in this world and every human being in this world wants to be loved by somebody. And when it's distorted for you, you will go into Potterville. When it's blind to you, their ignorance creates pain in you. What your mom and dad didn't know, they didn't know. They didn't intend to be assholes. That wasn't their plan A. Life happened to them and they were ill-equipped to deal with the emotional reality of their childhood having played out in their family again, right in front of them with all the intention to not repeat that in their children. And I watched the stories and I, I realized that like all of us are wounded because of this in a way. We're all less trusting. We're all less a little close. You go out to restaurants today, 20 years ago, people would talk to each other at a bar Everybody's on their phones. Everybody's lost in their own little worlds. 
world has become smaller, even though it's more connected. And, you know, these are not solutions. These are not default places we have to see ourselves as, as the world collapses around us. And we're just trying to say, please leave me alone. Please not here, just not here. Right. And there's going to be a lot of people that want to fight and they want to get revenge. And let me just say, this is the only thing I will ever say about this, maybe more, but I will tell you this psychopaths believe that you are no better than they are. And if you cheer on death and murder of any human being, they will have one. And let me ask you this then, because this is, this is, this takes us off the topic of where we, that concludes the topic of it's a wonderful life and gets us into yeah. something else that I, <laughs> that I want to, I want to end on. And yeah. it's something else I love bringing up around this time of year, because especially since we, we use this time of year, not only for celebration, but also mm-hmm. for reflection. And I like bringing up, and since you're here, the story of the Christmas truce which I believe is another microcosm of our human story. And mm-hmm. that is, that is the, the, uh, the, the unofficial ceasefire between uh, British, French, German, Austrian forces on the battlefields in World War I, especially in 1914, because mm-hmm. all the truces in subsequent years were less and less frequent because people, the, their souls were becoming more and more embittered. And they just wanted to kill as many people as they could to end this this hell on earth that had been assigned to them. And that's the whole point here. Little people, family men, boys sent off to be slaughtered in wars that are, are invariably triggered by demon-spawned psychopath puppet masters with the mm-hmm. intention of breaking the will and the spirit of entire nations, not just even individuals, just entire nations and bring them to heal and mm-hmm. you know you have this moment of peace called amongst uh, called out by the soldiers themselves bound, uh, bound by a common faith love of life taking Christmas off from killing each other to play soccer to exchange pleasantries to to tend to the dead and the wounded in no man's land only to get called back to the slaughter after a few hours off and and, and I what I want to ask you mm-hmm. as we head into 2023 what do you think the next Christmas truce will look like for us and how do we make it last? Mm. I thought about this all day when you sent me that question and I had all sorts of things come to my mind. Um, when I say this, I mean a return to our values. I mean the authority that is in us. This is what Frank Camper was telling all of us, that man was born divine and free. This is a direct quote. You have those quotes, you know. And someone should, he said, someone should remind the common man every day that he was born free, a soul divine. And then there's the rest of it. And it's beautiful because it's so succinct and clear. And there it is. Um, man, the truth that I see, if there is to be one that is maintained, is when we go to the people who are in need, not waiting for that moment to happen where we all come together because the world wants peace. But no, it would be practiced and lived every day. Um, here, here's one uh, just on the homeless population, because this is where I would go if, if I was to start somewhere. Um, 
yes, it is risky in certain cities. You can't be a fool and just go into, you know, crime riddled neighborhoods and think that you've got treats and food and it's all going to be good. You're right. Um, but you do what you can in the space that you do occupy. And that's, that's the thing about the starfish, the thing I sent you on Instagram, the story of the starfish about the boy who is throwing these starfish back into the ocean that have come up on the shore and they're going to surely dry out and die. And as he's doing this, uh, an older man comes along and he kind of laughs at the boy at what he figures out he's doing. He's throwing them back in to try to save them one at a time. And he says, boy, there are literally thousands and thousands of these starfish miles up and down this beach. Your efforts to save them, pretty much he's telling them pretty much futile. And, uh, and it's not even worth doing. And he says, he just, the boy looked at the man thought about it, went back down, picked up another one and threw it back in. And he said, that one will live. And he kept going. See, this is the thing. You got to have the conversation within yourself to really set the table for peace. Because if you let other people define what that peace is, then you've allowed them to define what peace is. A truce would be, if I, I would hope it wouldn't lead to war in terms of the kind that kill people. But uh, this was also done in the Native American tradition where they would have one day out of the whole year where they would cease all warfare. They would pay down all debts. And then the next day, everything would pick back up where it was or where it was going to go after that. But it was a moment of sanity. There's the opposite of that. It's called the purge. Hmm. So the the choices that we're going to be in our own times and spaces requested or required to make are going to have to come from within ourselves and we're going to have to practice at them so that when the other people that we love and care for finally awaken to what's going on, we will have the world that we will have created a space and a world for them with a vision of where they can land. Otherwise, we'll just stand here and everybody will go back into the blender. Because we'll just criticize it, you know, from here out. And it's it, it's going to create bitterness and resentment in people. So the truce I see is the one where it is lived in the heart and it really will require acts of um, courage. This isn't... can All right. This is what I thought about today. This is more important than where I can go with this. We're all here right now, and uh, five minutes, there's going to be uh, an asteroid that's going to hit the Earth and is for surely going to kill all of us, okay? There's a movie in Hollywood about it. It's called Don't Look Up, and it's crap, but, you know, they they, they sell you the agenda. It's like, don't look up. Oh, okay, because they're going to tell you later. He's like, oh, what's in the sky? And then, you know. We're going to do that all over again. Um, but the the point is that if if it if it happens and it hits, and that's it, you live to the end. Congratulations, you made it to the very end. And you go, oh, that wasn't what I thought it was going to be like. That's not the that that's the end. Yeah. Okay. Well. How did you live? What do you mean, how did I live? How did you live? 
I didn't get to do all the things I wanted to do because you were trying to be somebody else other than yourself. And that's why you would have regret because you didn't live the life you wanted to live. You were waiting for it to come and it never came because you waited for it and you didn't go out there and find it within yourself first, like an artist is, like a creator is, like a child of the creator is. And you go out and you create through your imagination what the world could be and you don't need to build on top of theirs to do it. The truth will come when there's a place that people can go without judgment and uh, bitterness where everybody's just like, hey, you know what? This shit show has just programmed me to the point where I have so many triggers now, I'm going to need to, you know, just unplug for a while and say goodbye, right? Sorry, I, I have mental health problems now because I'm wired to pick this damn thing up 25, 50, 100 times a day and look at what's going on out there. What's the new threat? What's the new bullshit story? What's the new disclosure? It just goes on and on and on, and it is programming you even if you're, quote, awake. And that's the truth. There is no truth. This here with memes and everything else. And I'm not condemning anybody. Jesus, I'm on social media. Okay. This is not me going, well, you know, you should diet and, you know, but it's, it's me just saying, look, um, this is owning us. This is owning our time. Our time is on this and we're not getting paid for it. We're paying with our intellectual property on it. That's what they want it for. So, the so and I'm not trying to make this about a scary position. I'm just saying, if we don't create anything away from this and our minds don't get off these screens, we're going to be looking at a lot of screens coming up a lot, a lot more than we ever have before. And if you don't unplug or learn to diet on this thing or do something, get a flip phone, try it. You know, I'm just saying I'm, I'm going out. I'm not, this is not, this is not going to stay with me. It, there's a burnout. I, I I I totally agree with you. I don't know how it, it, it and it'll turn in, and we'll have the same they'll same the same effect when we need it. But there's a burnout that is necessary. I yeah. think. Um. And and yeah, overstimulated, over triggered, and uh, everybody. Nobody is really that immune to propaganda. Um. Because it comes from all sides. Uh. It's not necessarily the the. It's not uh, propaganda is used by everybody. It's either friendly and welcome, or it is uh, it's something that is seen as subversive, and it's always warring with each other, and and yeah. it, it always pulls us away from in independent existence because it's always calling you to take a side on one issue or another, and usually both sides on an issue is uncontrolled turf. And uh, as long as you're playing the game, you're in the arena, there really is no winner or loser because you're paying them admission. And, um, and I, I, I'm hoping that that's what we carry into 2023. And I, and I got to thank you for, I, I know we're, we're almost at an hour here and you've given me yeah, much more I than know. I thought. You give me much. I do talk a little bit too much. No, no, <laughs> you've given me more, more, than, more than I could have asked for tonight. I, I was hoping that we got a, at least a, a solid half hour and I'm glad that we were able yeah. to expand beyond that. But um, I don't know what you got going on for the rest of the year. I hope that your your uh, your plans for the new year, and I can't wait to do more of these things. We should do more film talk in 2023. Yeah. Uh, let everybody know, please, where they can find your work, 
or sure. what you have planned for the upcoming weeks and months ahead. And okay. and then we will uh, we'll say Merry Christmas and call it a night. Sounds great. And just thank you very much for letting me riff a little bit. And I've really uh, I don't I'm not watching anything or a stream or anything other than just our conversation. But I hope the audience has uh, enjoyed it or gotten some kicks out of it, at least for the film side. I hope so, too. Uh, yeah. And um, you guys can find me on social media at No Restrictions. I'm on Instagram, uh, Twitter, pretty active there. And uh, and also NoRestrictionsENT.com is where all of our films are. You can go to Tubi.com and look up uh, any one of our films, A Child's Voice, Game Day. Uh, there's a whole host of them under Edgar Michael Bravo's name. And, uh, you know, the next couple of weeks, I'm just going to lay low and uh, enjoy my life and try to unplug and change things, just kind of put it down on paper and turn the ship around a little bit for me personally, because I've, I'm happy to be here, but it's, uh, it's definitely been a hell of a journey yeah. it's a, <laughs> for it's everybody. A, it's, a, it's, it's not just big. It's a little taxing at times, but yeah, as you say, we, we, we find these pockets of relaxation to recharge because we need to be, uh, we, you need to be strong. Everybody needs to be strong, and as you said earlier on, there's no giving up. So find your find your little moments to come up for air, and uh, and redouble your efforts, and 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 find that resolve, and and keep keep digging. So I appreciate everything you do, John Paul, appreciate and th you. thanks, thank you. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Merry Christmas to you. Happy New Year, everybody. Take no, care. Take care. It is a wonderful life, isn't it, ladies and gentlemen? We're going to be right back. I'm going to take some of your your super chats, your calls. And uh, and we will jump into the the last part por portion of the Thursday, December twenty second episode. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Jenkins, Oakley, night. My name is Jim. My name is Otto. 
Pleased to meet you, Otto. Freut mich. Rose, she's called. It's schön. It's schön. Quite frankly. 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 So everybody watch, quite frankly, with Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? All right. I have a, everybody, and I got a couple of things that were, I was tagged in in Discord. One was that Frank Capra, uh, quote, Someone should keep reminding Mr. Average Man that he was born free, divine, strong, uncrushable by fate, society, or hell itself, and that he's a child of God, equal heir to all the bounties of God, 
and that goodness is riches, kindness is power, freedom is glory. Above all, every man is born with an inner capacity to take him as far as his imagination can dream or envision providing he is, or envision providing he is free to dream and envision. Well, providing he is free to dream and envision. So that was uh that was a great talk. Great talk. Plenty to be said there. And I want to go into our super chats. First is a tip from from uh, Rockfin. Nelson Ferreria says uh, a lot of the saw a lot of the soft focus on black and white was intentional, but also an effect of the lenses with spherical aberrations. Uh, Ever increasing quest for precision morphed this into um, into bokeh where the subject is crisp and the background is fuzzy as opposed to the soft blend of the focus. That's interesting, Nelson. I don't know what B-O-K-E-H means, though. That's interesting. That's soft focus. That's a great way of saying it. Pillowy. Pillowy, halo-like focus on things. Over on quite frankly superchat.com, 15 minutes. Gino says Merry Christmas to you, Lauren, Aurora, and the whole family of Francis and the whole family, Francis. Love you and all you do, bro. Don't ever stop. I can't. I cannot stop. And because you asked, I'll just keep going. Stostu tipped very generously very generously said merry merry christmas christmas week frank and frankly's dan schumann says so and when dan schumann says so i agree much love to dan schumann and all dan is a good guy he's been around and a very generous supporter for a long time and i hope he has a great christmas as well rev revolution generous tips says merry christmas frank thank you rev i'm looking forward to another 12 months with you as well donkey dick Says, Dearest Frank, Merry Christmas to you and the fam and everyone out there listening to the greatest show of all time. Also, good luck to all of, to all on the raffle. P.S. Everything is a WWF PSYOP and all the people running it are fake and gay. That's a great way of putting it. Karina, Merry Christmas, Frank, Lauren, and Aurora. Thank you. Thank you, darling. Thank you so much. Karma Nina. Says, Merry Christmas, Frank, Lauren, Aurora, and the whole, quite frankly, family. Sending love and prayers for a wonderful 2023. Nina Davison. Top Frank says, I'm currently at 300 ounces of silver in my stash, but the one I win from, quite frankly, will be my most valuable. Longtime listener, first time super chatter. May the precious metals God's favor shine upon me. Love the show. Thanks for all that you do. Top Frank. That's great. 300 ounces well if that ounce goes to uh however many thousands thousands an ounce boy top frank over here is going to be like uh scrooge mcduck i don't know that's not gonna i mean it's still gonna be 300 ounces but i just i'm just thinking about the the value take a bath in that stuff good for you and good luck to everybody on this raffle 
Good luck to Lauren to actually writing out all the names. <laughs> because that's gonna suck. <laughs> I'll have to help her. I'll help her in some way, shape, or form. Ghost Turd. You kick ass, Frank. Thank you, Ghost Turd. Ghost Turd 47. Octawa. Octawa. Octawa says, love Chris Ann Hall. Listening to her stirs the patriotic juices. Also love that she gives opinions, alternatives, and solutions. She's correct. Simple is not easy. Have a Merry Christmas. That That is always a very important thing. It's easy to get somebody to come on and to describe the waters that we're drowning in. It's another thing to say, hey, uh, reminder, the solution is simple and... And you know, the, the, we may not have that many that many options left. If you want to change, this is really it. Now it's up to it's up to people to to do some moving and shaking. She's definitely done some moving and shaking down in Florida, making their presence be felt over there at the Florida uh, Florida State Assembly. And incredible, incredible, what people all over the country are doing in local elections and and uh, local settings. Uh, Nick Piscotta says, Merry Christmas. I love when you have Chris Ann Hall on the show. This is from late last night. She sure knows how to make me tear up and pump me up at the same time. And then Nick in Chicago says, Merry Christmas to you and the family. Frank, first super chat. Just wanted to put a vote in for the 2019 Christmas Carol with the guy, with uh, Guy Pierce as Scrooge. Really? I have not. Wait a second. That's the one. There was one that came out, I feel like it was in 2020, it might, maybe it was 2019. It was a really dark one, like like really dark. Is that the one I'm thinking of? I remember watching that, it might have been the year before Aurora was born. Uh, I watched just a little bit of it. I remember my, my father said it was pretty good. Skip was watching a little bit of it. But um, I was kind of in and out of the room. Anyway, thank you, Nick in Chicago. Guy Pierce says Scrooge. All right. Over there on Rumble, we're starting with Books and Coffee. Looking dapper tonight, Frank. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Why, thank you. Thank you. Lauren actually picked this shirt up for me. I said, you know, if you find anything Christmassy out there, pick it up because I, I need something... To, to add into the rotation and this was I really liked it by how, the, how the, this is right under the right under the uh, the cuffs here got those reindeer those Christmas trees those snowflakes nice and right behind the collar as well all right what else we have on rumble Rumble's been coming alive lately. I like seeing that. Fredo Awakening says, Hey, Frank, did you catch Rich Barris at Rick Carey Lake trial this morning? He was great. Made the defense look pretty stupid a few times. Yes, he did. And I got in touch with Laura Barris, and I, I hopefully I'll be able to get him to, to call in to do a early afternoon show with me at the, the home streaming setup on Tuesday, the 27th. Because like I said, Monday... The 26th, I'm taking off. And then Tuesday, the 27th, I'm taking a half day because it's my mom's birthday. So I said, you know what? Let me talk to Rich Barris because I'm sure he's getting home in time to just be with the family for Christmas. I am uh, i don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets roped into some of those Turning Point USA 
uh, calls and broadcasts. I mean, you can't you can't turn those down. You have tens of thousands of people watching. But um, but we'll definitely have some time with our buddy Rich. I'd like to ask some behind the scenes stuff. I watched that. He did great. I like how he was just you know Rich is a highly intelligent man, as you all know. And he was going into broadcast mode where he is just going to make you drink from the fire hose of information. And it is much needed information. But uh, the judge had to get him to calm down several times because he was talking too fast and too excitedly. And he was answering questions before they were even finished being answered. And the court reporter there, the stenographer, was was having a hard time keeping up with everything. You know? So... That was pretty fun. I'll probably joke with him about that a little bit, but I mean, he he came in there with, I guess you can call it circumstantial evidence that was necessary, just like uh, character witnesses are circumstantial, but but they're they're incredibly important for building up the entirety of the picture of what is being you know worked out in a trial setting, and he made he he's in there just making huge statements big time statements about polling about margins of error what was possible what was impossible and 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 really in in so many ways that a, a correction of whatever was happening in Maricopa County would most assuredly make Carrie Lake the next governor of Arizona and let me tell you something else those depending on where especially depending on where you're watching the streams the shilliest of shilly streams I've ever seen in my in life. Boy oh boy, all of the bots that were that are now unemployed on Twitter, they were thrown right into the mix in every damn thing that had a uh, uh, every stream that had a chat room open on on YouTube and I'm sure elsewhere. The shills, it was incredible. Just scrolling, you lost. You lost. Carrie Lake lost, just like her buddy Trump. Oh, it's just, it was so incredible. All the people that never show up whenever they have a fucking climate change movie hitting 120 the- movie theaters across the country, the people who never show up to actually buy tickets to the stuff or, you know, go to a rally. Oh, they're always in uh, the comment sections on the internet. They're always in the comment sections. Are we scrolling the same mindless thing like three other accounts? The same exact thing. It was a real mess. But apparently we're gonna get a we're gonna get a decision on that pretty soon. So keep a look keep a lookout on that and hopefully Rich is on with us later on in the week or earlier on in the week after Christmas. We all have to celebrate. I told Lauren, I think. I might sneak out of the house to go to a, the first midnight mass of my life. Thinking about it, I always wanted to go to a midnight mass. I'm gonna have to look up where where they all are. Um, I don't know. We will see about that. Citizen Chuck says, "Thanks, Frank. Fantastic show. A very merry Christmas to you and yours." Yes, you know it is a, it's a, it's an emotional, it's an emotional uh, topic. It's a Wonderful Life because it is a heavy, it's a heavy film. There's a great amount of a humor in it. There is the, the thrill of victory and there's love and then there is just dread. There's loss. 
there's this inner conflict you can feel. You you live vicariously through George Bailey, the, all the frustrations of wanting to bust out, having the talent to do so, but just being duty-bound to home and feeling a little bit burned by everybody around you who seems to have the courage to do what they want with absolutely no second thought as to how it may affect the people around them. They just constantly they prioritize themselves. And that's just it. I feel that a lot. I, I felt that a lot, especially with, with friends, how I prioritize friendships and how certain times in the phase of your life you will see that although the person means no harm and they still love you as much as they always have, um, you just were never the top priority. And once other priorities come in, you say, okay, so I guess I was a placeholder until one person got a, a girlfriend. I always thought that we were going to have, a, you know, as people got settled down and had girlfriends and all that stuff, you, that the family just grew. I will always hope that. It's just the way I see the world. And, um, and then all of a sudden, you're the, the old man uh, on the rocking chair on the back porch, and nobody's over on a Sunday anymore. Anyhow, it's all right. Got Lauren. I've got Aurora. And, um, and I got Secret Nature CBD. Larkstar444 with a very generous rumble rant. Lots of love to all. Thank you, Lark. And lots of love to you. Lark's been around for years now. And I love it. Okay. Uh, Silly Boar says, Merry Christmas to you and your beautiful family, Frank. Thank you. And these are the people I, I really honor all throughout the year for keeping this operation just growing. 843, I'm going to open up the, the lines and I'm going to read through the Super Chats on Foxhole while we run to the end of the show. Here is, here's the, uh, what I got from Abe right now. Uh, Frank, I'm going to play some Christmas movie classics tonight on QuiteFrankly.tv. Miracle on 34th Street, White Christmas uh, will do It's a Wonderful Life on Christmas, though. I, I'm glad about that. Uh, he says, my father was a singer and was hired every year by churches to sing the Ave Maria at Midnight Mass. So I have been to a few. They are sort of awesome. I always wanted, to, I just, I wanted, I want to do it. I have to, I think I got to do it. That's from Abe. So especially if it is a blustery, stormy night for you, wherever you are in the United States, if you don't want this to end, you can hang out with some really great people in a chat room on quitefrankly.tv and stream. You can project it right up to your smart TV. Miracle on 34th Street, White Christmas, and whatever the hell they, whatever hell they else have lined up for the late night on this Thursday, the 22nd of December. All right, 123SKG says, which C.S. Lewis work are you reading for book club? The Great Divorce. The Great Divorce, that will be uh, starting in January. I don't know if it's going to be first week. Um, maybe I'll just make an announcement. I'll make an announcement of chapter uh, assignments, but it's not going to be a long read. I think it's less than 200 pages. So even if we do 30 to 40 pages a week, we're, we're done in a few weeks. So it's C.S. Lewis, The Great Divorce. That is how we're starting off the year. Sean Joe, thank you. Stickman Freediver says, Frank, the Super Chat link will not work for me, so please accept these gold pills in lieu. Merry Christmas. You got to get that Super Chat link to work if you're going to be involved in the, the raffle, though, my friend. 
Um, I can't. I, I just can't start a secondary list. I can't start a secondary manual list. It has just out of ease because of the amount of people who are entered now. They've all got to be in one spot. I understand. I'm going to have to change up the super chat platform because apparently it makes people sign in to use the system through either one social media account or another. If you have a YouTube account, it asks you to log in there. Facebook, I don't know, LinkedIn, whatever the hell else. I thought it was just going to be simpler than that. So I have to keep my mind, my eyes out for something else. But thank you, Stickman. I really appreciate you. Uh, Space Coast Patriot says, Hi, just came from Woke Societies. Well, welcome aboard. Jack Attack, thank you. Boyce Blanc, thank you. Mez says, Get your house in order, for the Lord is coming. Uh, frankly Off Frankston says, Merry Christmas to all the Franklies out there. God bless you all. Lynn RC, number seven, Merry Christmas. Robert Sarns, quite frankly, it's a wonderful movie. Renai0304 says, Merry Christmas to you, Frank, and your family. Thank you for terrific programming all year long. And Porpoiseful, thank you for jumping in there. You're all very, very kind, and I, I, I appreciate it. I know that every night can't be a grand slam. It's impossible. Especially when you're on five five nights a week, almost every week, and then some weeks out of the year, six nights a week. And if you consider that on Sundays I get together for those exclusive unlisted live streams for monthly recurring sponsors, there's a there's quite a few weeks where I mean all weeks are six days a week, sometimes seven. And I know a lot of that output right there, not every show is going to be a grand slam, but I work my ass off so that somebody out there says, how the fuck does he do it? How is it, po how does he do it? That's all, I, that I, that is a dream of mine. How the fuck does he do it every night? I know I won't make that grade every night, but that's, that's what I want. That's what I want. That's the rainbow I'm chasing. See how well it goes. I think we're doing pretty good so far. All right. A PDX Patriot says, Merry Christmas, Frank, and all the Franklies. 914-595-6953. You can call in, say hello. We have about eight minutes left, so it might be one or two calls. Is there anything else in my, my thing over here? You should really look into all the PDS, PTSD uh, with Jimmy Stewart. You should look into his story a little bit more. It's an incredible story. And to go right into It's a Wonderful Life when he got back, it's just, it makes it all the more impressive. But, but yeah. But yeah, that's what I have. That's what I have. And for tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen, I think that we are bottlenecked on Skype because nothing's coming through again, which is typical. So I'm just going to get off now. But for tomorrow, we are going to have the eggnog. We're going to have maybe some family videos. This is if, if, if I'm all alone for tomorrow night. We're going to have the eggnog video. You should see it. I tasted a little bit of it today. I, you know, I, tur you know I, I stirred it a little bit more. It is frothy and creamy. And when I tasted it today, wow. 
clears you out. It is. It, it tastes fantastic, but boy, oh boy, is it something to behold. It is almost, you know how when you go and you have wasabi and it kind of, it, it just invades your nostrils and it opens you up or any other pepper where the capsaicin just goes, breathe again, my friend. Wow. It is a, is a liquory. It is very liquory. But I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And it's going to it's going to be a very potent quarter of a cup for me on Christmas Eve. Because i got to do some driving. Can't do anything too foolish, you know what I mean? All right. All right. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, you have until tomorrow at 12 noon to be able to get in on the the giveaway, the the raffle, the general last general raffle of the year. And um, I'm looking forward to that. A couple more Super Chats before we get out of here. Wade says, see what I tagged you on in Twitter. Bryson Gray's tweet about why Christmas is pagan. I don't know. I don't know who knows. I don't I don't really care to be. Well, I'm not about you, Wade. I'm going to go check it out. But I, 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 as far as the whole Christmas is pagan and give it all up, I had somebody try to black pill me on Jesus the other day. Somebody from the audience emailed me and tried to black pill me on how Jesus never existed a week before Christmas. I'm like, you, I asked, are you, are you trying to black pill me on Jesus five days before Christmas? And they're like, I know it's a little dark. I'm sorry, but I just figured you'd want to know. And I'm like, listen, I, I spent the last 15, almost 20 years, but actually 20 years. I'm 38 now. Since 18, I was just, I've really been off the reservation. I spent the last 20 years crawling out of that darkness and I'm, I'm happy at the path I'm on right now. You know, I'll save it for February, but right now I just want to enjoy Christmas. Don't want to have to look at pagan this and never existed that. I, I just have enough of it. It's the other reason why everybody's just got to stay Keep the buffer up, and you have to put the phone down and walk away every once in a while. But, um, yeah. All right. Anyway, thank you, guys and gals. All the best to you. Get on over to quitefrankly.tv and enjoy yourself some classic Christmas films for the rest of the evening. And I will see you tomorrow, no matter what, at 7 o'clock. Whether or not my family is here, that is to be determined, and, and I hope that they are, and I hope that everybody is safe out there in all of these big storms but um, keep yourselves uh, keep yourselves happy and watch a good movie, and I will talk to you soon. Nighty night, my friends. Nighty night. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience, and now our super chatters, starting with Wade. Oh, wait, C Ration just said Buona Natal. Thank you, C Ration. C Abate says Buona Natal. When young, growing up in New York as Italians, we listened to Enrico Caruso's Christmas album, an Italian favorite singer. I'll have to check that out. Mark Swan says, just want to give a birthday shout out to my youngest who turned 16 today. Frank, this will be Aurora soon. Oh, not yet, Mark. Not yet. Happy birthday to Mark, though, and his uh, his wonderful lady, little lady over there. Gino, thank you. Stostube, thank you. Revolution, Donkey Dick, Karina, Carmanina, Top Frank, Ghost Turd, Octawa, 
Uh, Nick Piscotta, Nick in Chicago. Hello, Kitty. So many of you. You beat me. You beat me because now I have more people to thank and the credits are over. I love when I'm beaten like this, though, because I got to thank them all. Thank you to <laughs> Books and Coffee on Rumble. Uh, thank you to Freight Awakening. Thank you, of course, to Citizen Chuck, Larkstar444, and Sillybore, and to all of my wonderful friends on Foxhole who now are going to get their ass scratched by the scratching. I'll see you tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tonight.